Hello and welcome to the Armin Show, the podcast that has all the things. It goes every day. It's been every day. We like to make content on a regular basis. This one is about chapters 9 through 12 of the book Behave by Robert Sapolsky. As I am on number 13 in the chapters, and I've been covering four at a time, this is the next set. This book is about human behavior. Super informative. If I didn't already have a good sense of people, what causes people to do things in relating with each other, dominance, hierarchies, fear, uh, I have a better idea now than I did even before. So this is a nice feature. Very important to me to know what's going on because it's not very unpredictable. Life is super predictable, all the parts of it. So, let's move to chapter 9, which is called Centuries to Millennia Before. I'm just going to summarize things from each chapter, and at the end of the book, I'll do a full-on summary of some sort. But for now, it's these chapters. What is in this? This talks about culture that led to the actions we do today. It talked a lot about individualist versus group cultures, like Western nations, U.S., individualist, focuses on I, what I can do, me, superstar, stuff like that, versus Asian culture or collectivist culture, which is more like the group, harmony, uh, what did everybody do, not letting somebody be an outsider or different, focusing on the background of an image instead of the foreground or the person as people do in a Western culture. What a different thing. They act, people actually look differently at pictures. That says something. That's very cultural. <clears throat> the differences are vast. And a lot of the root of the differences for Asian culture based on rice. Rice, you had to have a big community build a rice patty together. If you didn't, you didn't eat and you died. So it was very group-oriented versus here. We don't have that background. And also, people that came to the United States were more the risk-taking folks, the optimistic risk-taking folks ended up where we are in the U.S., if you're in the U.S., not all of us are, and so that changes the culture in each place, but it's not like the people are different in total. It's those kinds of people came to here, fitting the situation. Situation always trumps self-nature. Because it's too much to avoid. There are things like antisocial punishment and different forms of punishment in group cultures uh, when people are out of line. Also, I bolded this one. You, there's actually a thing where people are punished for being generous because they make everyone else look bad. That's a culture with uh, more income equality. Yeah. So... People can actually be punished for being too generous. I noted that part because it makes other people feel like, oh, I'm not that generous. And so they just punish that generous person. There is, I'll leave the rest of that from that chapter. Now, chapter 10, the evolution of behavior. Okay. What led to certain kinds of behavior? What's the way to look at that? You look at twins, right? You look at uh, kin selection because you can differentiate between twins. They notice that, well, identical twins, you know, carry a full set of the same genes. 
there are some differences based on where they grow up. Um, uh, levels of caring, grooming, and investment match levels and certainty of gene percentage in others. So the levels of genes that are energy towards something keeps it going is a way to summarize that. The universe always supports energy towards something in genetic form, in metabolic form, numerous forms. Uh, we have ability to recognize relatives through certain pheromonal odors that have individual signatures. Our major histocompatibility complex, MHC, makes those. And then so you can recognize who's more like a relative, who is more others, must destroy others, something like that. We have a little bit of kin recognition, which is neato. We have uh, pair bonding, and then we have competing. So pair bonding is with our crew, and then competing is like it's a tournament, and we have to battle with those individuals. And then there is about us. People, you favor kin, your family over strangers. Unless your VMPFC is damaged, then you don't have this emotional connection to your family. Remember the VMPFC, the ventromedial prefrontal cortex, is more the emotional cognitive center. And so if that part is damaged and you have to choose who to support, you're less likely to choose family members as strongly because you're not as emotionally attached to the kinship. We have to have some way of attaching things in our brain, and that's one area where that attachment is made. Uh, oh, I like this part because is evolutionary change continuous and gradual? Uh, talks about punctuated equilibrium, a point that I've always been inclined towards. Things that are like, you know, smooth, 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 boom, something just happens out of nowhere. That's punctuated equilibrium, and you just adapt to it. I am built for that, I feel. So that means that sudden evolutionary changes take place, and then a sudden selective factor kills out most of a species except those with a certain trait. Now, this can also happen. Let's say there's a stock boom and bust cycle. Some people are going to go bankrupt and they're out. Some people are going to make it and continue. So we have things like this. There is punctuated equilibrium in our own world. On to chapter 11, us versus them. Now, we do a lot based on us versus them grouping. Who are them? The ones who are not the us. That's why if you want to do marketing, saying we, us, people do this on YouTube and uh, videos, branding, Instagram, whatever it is, all the time. It's a great method. If you make the person listening feel like they're part of the thing, they're more likely to support you, that's it, than if you just said it was yours. So why wouldn't you do that from a branding perspective? The thing is, all these things are manipulable. That's the thing to keep in mind about all these details. Because of all these factors of people through evolution over time, super manipulable. Same thing with EDM artists making music that repeats in your audio 
it's not cortex, but where your brain processes audio, it'll just replay it over and over based on certain features. And then people will say that's a catchy tune. Well, okay. Yes. Remember, very manipulable. All these make people able to be manipulated. That's the idea behind them. But if you use we, uh, we, we associate more positive feelings with people who say we or they include in the group, obviously, because the group dynamic versus I, my thing. We avoid that because that seems like an other. And you don't want to seem like an other. If you're marketing or branding to sell merchandise or something of that nature. Good. Uh, us is, uh, there's a lot of group mentality. And it's like, we are this and then other people are jerks or they're outside or they're no good. Now, the stronger you have that us-them thing also associates with other brain features. Some people are more likely to be like, oh, that's a them. That's not a good, it's a harsh, instant feeling. Not much cognition in place. It's an automatic feeling. Also, if someone in your group makes a mistake, you tend to say it was special circumstances. But someone in another group, outside group, makes a mistake, you say, oh, that's how they are. So clearly it's a bit biased uh, because you're trying to support your team. That is what is built into humans because, once again, all these things, if we didn't do these things and have these qualities, long ago we would have died. In current times, they're very funny. They don't have the same weight as they did a long time ago. You're not dying today. But you might not get the same brand deal or you might not get the same job or relationship. So it, it's not the same. It's a smaller version of what it was maybe, I don't know, 100,000 years ago, 10,000 years ago. But similar concept. Thems, uh, we also like to out them, say that to them. This is what their qualities are. We are very ingrained in examining how warm and competent an other group is like we assess people by their warmth and competence if someone has high warmth and competence it's part of us it's our group low warmth and competence was given as an example like a homeless addicted mugger or a person who's poor or on welfare we look at them like oh low warmth and low competence in life. Then there's other combos. High warmth and low competence is like disabled people. There's no danger, but they can't do much. And then low warmth, high competence is the viewing of a ruler or cold leader. These cause more emotional response. The disabled people gives you a warm emotional response. The low warmth, high competence people gives you a cold response and evokes your VMPFC. So that would be good. Uh, if you're a person who creates content online, having a person that's a uh, high warmth and low competence individual, someone with uh, some inability, some form of disablement, who seems warm and nice, that will evoke a positive emotional response. Yeah, I see people using these exact techniques and becoming super popular. So I point out where they come from. 
and cold leaders yeah low warmth high competence because they're not really you feel like they're disconnected but they're super high in the hierarchy and they do things let's say ruthlessly this is how we we view things makes people uncomfortable all right now on to chapter 12 hierarchy obedience and resistance so people are very noting of hierarchy who runs what and how because a long time ago if you didn't you died but now it's more like who's the people that get the most done the most people listen to if three or more people are doing a thing it starts to have peer pressure impacts once you have a dozen in a group that you're near that does something you almost lean towards following there are many studies where they have people as part of a study one person participates and everybody else is in on it and all the other people vote for something that's not logical or off or wrong in some way and the person conforms to that group a disturbingly large amount of time so that has been studied repeatedly studies called ash milgram and zimbardo those are three different experiments that involved conformity Summarize them all to say people follow along. Most people, unless they have weights of their own to counter that. Either they don't feel it as much, so maybe their uh, BMPFC is not as activated in such scenarios, then they'll be more logical. Or maybe through examples, repetition. I see myself in that case. So that is a good thing. Once you repeat going against the grain, you can continually go against the grain. It's a nice feature. Yes, willpower. This is a golden nugget from this chapter. Willpower takes metabolic power due to glucose demands of the frontal cortex. Hungry people are less generous in economic games. So if you're hungry, it shuts down your frontal cortex. Now you're just like, what can I get? I'm out to get stuff for self. Looking selfish. Who likes that? Zero people. But it's an adaptation. Long ago, if you didn't have this, you died. In current times, all these things look funny. They just look funny now. They just don't have the same effect as 20,000 years ago or whenever people were starting out. But now they look entertaining. So yeah, if you want to process or make decisions, use executive control. This willpower takes metabolic power. That's why we look at things like consistency and working in a difficult scenario as good. Because that means that person has more metabolic power. Same thing like when a peacock struts its feathers. It's trying to show genetically, I have the metabolic energy to put this up and fight against competition. And so we say, that's cool. I like that. So our brain translates. It's just looking around. Who has the most metabolic power? Who has the most... You could, I guess, convert it to genetic energy, but it's not exactly genetic. It's also experiential, so nurture and nature together. We look at who has the most energy, and we gravitate towards them because that's good for us. Either we can absorb some of it, or they will provide something to us. It's generally favorable. It's hard for them to take from us if they have so much energy rolling. That's why celebrities get all the attention they do some or other people with notable recognition because it's always a benefit to the fan or the observer 
and it's more of a takeaway from that person and their high energy level. Mm -hmm. Obedience. Oh, this is another one. So it's related to conformity. People follow authority, are very noting of authority more than other animals. Other animals don't have this high impact response to authority like we do. Even the concept of authority, it's built in. If we see somebody that we uh, feel that we are less than and that person feels that they, they, they present that they are less than somebody else, you automatically, when you run into that somebody else, present yourself as though you're less than them too, just following the quota, the guidelines, if you will, of social structure. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure to conform and obey in society. Very few go against any forms of conformity. But it takes more uh, willpower and maybe less emotional response to do so. Last part from this one chapter I want to add in that I bolded. When humans invented material inequality, material inequality, they came up with a way of subjugating the low ranking like nothing ever before seen in the primate world. So in primates, there are methods to have other primates feel subjugated. So knowing that they are lower on the totem pole, those lower ones have more stress, glucocorticoids in their brain, and they shut down a bit. Humans have this to a higher degree with material possessions. Here I drive around in my expensive car or whatever it is to show, look, you can't catch up to this. You're not this to subjugate the lower ranking in a way that monkeys could not do. Monkeys don't have these kinds of things. And it shuts down the person if they allow it, which most people don't even think about these things. And it just happens, and they move slower, and they have more stress, and there are more glucocorticoids in their brain. So it is key to think about what impact people are having on you because it's a physical impact. These things happen, you feel less, you feel stressed based on your life and what could happen, glucocorticoids and other stress-related feelings, oh, that's a hormone, but the associated feelings happen in your mind physically and now you have actually been impacted by that. It's not just a passing thing, it actually affected your life. So you have to take note of it at that level of heaviness. Yes. I'll leave it there for these four chapters. So much content. I, I barely I barely summarized some of it. I skipped a bunch of things. That's crazy. The notes are amazing, though. So I will leave it there. Chapters 9 through 12, that was. When a book is good, a book is good. This book has the amount of content plus wonderful citations. I looked up a few. Theoretically, I could spend my whole life reading through all the citations and those papers and then looking at those. That's the level of detail. That's even more. Next episode, who knows what it'll be, but this was episode number 34 of The Armin Show. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon. This is cool to have you in the while we're still in the double-digit episodes. Let's just say it like that, because at some point it won't be, and then it'll be like I was part of the early crew. Yeah. Also, my Twitter, Armin, just Armin, my name is my Twitter account. All my links are on the website. But yeah, if you use Instagram, Armin Megaman. If you use Goodreads, Armin Shervanian.
I'm on all the things. Not all of them, but a lot of them. And we are out.